contact someone when they're going through the absolute most crappiest things in their life and says, hey, get that person to preach tonight <laughs> or, or <laughs> tell that person to preach next week or whatever. Well, yeah, he's probably telling Johnny, look, Jacob needs to get shook out of what he's in right now. Tell him to preach. And uh, it has the desired effect when that happens. Uh, usually my stomach hits the floor and I think, well, I'm going to have to snap myself out of my pity party and, you know, do what he's calling me to do. So in saying that, um, a lot of times when I am asked to do things, I try not to base what I'm talking about kind of on what's going on in my life because I already have those emotions kind of in there already, and I don't want to preach on that more, you know, just because I'm going through it. I want to get something fresh you know, a fresh revelation from him, and <clears throat> that's important to me, because I want it to be authentic, you know what I mean, I, and I don't want my physical earthly problems to block or, or you know, muddy up what he has for, for me or, or for somebody else, so that's important to me, and when I do something, so, of course, uh, I asked him what he wanted me to speak on, and uh, he said, I think I want you to talk about Golden Corral. <laughs> and I said, okay, what about it? <laughs> so, uh, huh? Hey, be careful now. <laughs> That's close to blasphemy in this house. Uh, so one of my greatest memories as a kid was uh, going to Golden Corral with my, my dad. And uh, I don't really know what it was. It was... I mean, it definitely wasn't the quality of the food, okay? Uh, we can go ahead and rule that out right now. Uh, maybe it was the, the, the gummy bears and the, the endless river of chocolate fudge that you could eat after your meal, or I don't know what it was, but it was always like a treat, like when we got to go to Golden Corral. And funny thing, ironically, is Sandy's dad's favorite restaurant was Golden Corral, too, <laughs> before he passed along, so... I was like, man, this is this is kind of weird, and uh, we have the same birthday. Uh, I have the same birthday as her father. Uh, tidbit information, in case you wanted that. Uh, so anyway, it was a it was a, a good memory for me um, growing up, and it it always uh, kind of had fellowship mixed in with it. Uh, it was a time that I could bond with him. Uh, and it was just one of those things. It, my mom wasn't crazy about it. I mean, you know, I, mean, I guess all women don't like Golden Corral, but uh, uh, she she never really went with us. So it was always me and him. It was kind of a guys thing, and I just kind of attributed that with, you know, me and my dad and guys and hanging out. And as the years got kind of went along, Golden Corral kind of started going down in the, in the dumps more <laughs> more than it already was. Uh, uh, and it, it was just, you know, it was a mixture of things. It was just the, the bad service. And, and the one in Beaumont, the location, is not in a very ideal place. So, you know, as the years went on, I just, like, I went less and less and less. And I, I probably, I haven't been in probably since we went the other day in probably 15 years, maybe maybe 20 years. So it had been a while. So when Johnny said, hey, man, we're gonna, we, we're joking about it. We're talking about going to Golden Corral. And we said, man, we're going to go. We're going to go. So we finally went, and it was actually pretty decent. I mean, for the price, you know, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it actually wasn't bad food. I mean, it, w it wasn't, but it really wasn't about the food, though. It was about 
being with my friends. That was that was about what that night was about for me. Because honestly, you know, my idea of a Friday night is not driving to Beaumont after I've worked in the sun for eight hours to eat Golden Corral. You know, I can think of a million other things I'd rather be doing. But my friends are going. I want to be with my friends. I want a fellowship. And something cool might happen in the midst of it. You know what I mean? So I sacrifice and I, I go. I don't let my perception of what Golden Corral is now change what I want to do with my with my loved ones. You know what I mean? I don't let the fact that I might go and have a terrible experience dictate, um, you know, me having a good time with people I, I love. So um, that really kind of played into the scriptures I wanted to, to speak on today. Is this thing echoing? Sounds like it is. Is it? Uh, okay, so two of the things that I took away from this was the first thing was I did not want to let my view of the past or my view of other people dictate what I wanted to do with the people I love. And the second thing was going, <laughs> going into these types of places is probably something Jesus would definitely do because these are, those are these type, <laughs> this type of people. Okay, golden corral people, I'm telling you. If Jesus came back to earth right now, as a matter of fact, and said, look, I'm going to spend a week here before I rapture you off. And we're going to go eat at all these different places all around the world. But look, here's the catch. It has to be the absolute worst places in the world. The first place I'm taking him is golden corral. And he's going to love it. Uh, okay, so anybody have a Bible? This is church. I didn't know if you anybody got one of those leather ones. Any dust? No? Okay, somebody turn with me to Matthew 9. Or let's see here. Yeah. It's uh, four, chapter 4, 9. Yeah, thank you. That helps me. Let me know when you are there. Uh, 4, 9. Y'all there? What do y'all what do y'all see him? Okay. You see my phone? I think I said it was nine four. I'm sorry. You see my phone? What's nine four? Jesus. Sorry, y'all. Okay, how about I just read this, and y'all are going to figure it out. Y'all know exactly who it is, but I'm, okay, so uh, the verse is nine, all right? It's about him and Matthew when he calls him, okay? Yes. Nine, nine, I'm sorry, y'all. My little typos here. Okay, Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, Why does your teacher eat with those tax collectors and sinners? Upon hearing this, Jesus said, Is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? 
But go, go, he told him. Learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but, but the sinners. So a little preface. Um, why was it so bad to eat with sinners back in those times? Uh, and eight, sir. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they were the worst of the worst. Yeah, they ruined people's lives. They took everything they had and and left them with nothing. Legal criminals. Yeah. Um, so in ancient Israel, the table was a place where spiritual points were taught and where fellowship occurred. The term dinner often connotes a banquet or a festive meal where people reclined, which was probably in Jesus' honor. Eating with someone established a covenant relationship of friendship, which normally also signified approval. In one ancient story, two warriors stopped fighting each other when they discovered that their fathers had shared a meal. The issue of eating with sinners was, a sen was sensitive in Judaism because some believe that eating with such company conveyed the acceptance of that person's sin. Jesus preferred pursuing relationships that might lead sinners to God rather than quarantining himself from such people. So, if y'all would, and I'm pretty sure I have this one right. <laughs> Y'all forgive me if I don't. I think it's, well, I don't know, but it's Paul. It left my, my chapters and stuff off. I don't know why. Anyway, this is Paul. He's talking to, uh, I believe it's Corinthians. He said, I wrote you in my letter not to associate you with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or the swindlers or the adulterers. Because he said in that case, you'd have to leave the whole world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, greedy, an adulterer, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. And in 12, he says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked from among you. Okay, so here he's referring to the world as the realm outside the church, okay? Uh, he didn't mean that they were to separate themselves from sexually immoral people outside the church. Outside the church, there are people of guilty of various ungodliness, okay? Examples, he lists greedy people um, who are controlled by desires and money. He lists a swindler, people who act on greedy desires, uh, uh, adulterers, he mentions. Paul's point here, okay, is that there's, there's all kinds of ungodly people in the world, and he was not suggesting that believers avoid them all, okay? Uh, even the particular type of sexually immoral person he was referring to, um, because to do so, they wouldn't be able to go out in the world, okay? Um, he acknowledges that the church had been left in the world for a reason. When Jesus prayed for his disciples in John 17, he prayed knowing that they would face many trials in the world and that the world would hate them. But as he prayed, he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So the members of the church are expected to have contact with the ungodly members of the world. That is how they bear witness in Christ to the world and act as salt and light, just as Jesus taught. 
button, okay. If the believers in Corinth had acted upon Paul's advice by passing judgment on these people uh, and separating themselves from them, Paul says uh, the answer he's looking for is nothing. It's not my business to judge those people who are outside the church. What business, whose business is it then? Paul makes it clear in verse 13. He says, even Jesus did not come to judge the world. He came to save it. Okay? He will come again to judge, but until he does, his followers are to carry out his mission of salvation. Okay? So until he does that, we're going to do this. Okay? Um, uh, for the sake of this mission, Paul says we must exclude judgment upon those who are outside the church. Um, uh, at the end of this passage, uh, Jesus uh, quotes Hosea 6.6. 6. He says, I desire mercy, uh, not sacrifice, uh, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. That's Hosea 6.6. 6. Um, I put that Jesus explained, quoting from a familiar words of an Old Testament prophet, that God had already judged sacrifices without mercy as worthless. Those who value ritual sacrifices or earthly acts or deeds above compassion towards other humans are missing God's heart. Totally, totally missing the point, right? Um, because we have to go meet people where they're at, okay? And that's going to mean going out in there and going out in that crud. You know, look at the places that he went and shopped for people. Like, he didn't go, like, to Walmart, like, and those type of people. He went in the hood. Like, that's where he wanted. That's where he was interested in. He wasn't interested in these people. I'm not interested in y'all. I'm interested in these. That's what I'm interested in. And when he's talking, when he said sick, I'm interested. He's not talking about physically sick. He's talking about the spiritually sick, because even if he, the Pharisees would have never admitted that they needed help to him. They would have never done that because their heads are so puffed up with the law that they could never admit that they they needed his type of mercy. So, that's what he was talking about. This is the kind of sickness you need healing from, not that kind. Um. Because in principle, the Pharisees value mercy, <laughs> but none would have embraced sinners as Jesus did. He did not condone the activities of sinners, but required repentance, which is a change of mind that recognizes Jesus Christ as their only Savior. That is repentance. Repentance is, is not, I'm going to really try to not judge these people. Repentance is a 180-degree turn and going in the other direction with a different mindset. That is repentance. And not looking back. Because you know what happened when Lot's wife looked back? She turned into salt wine because she couldn't leave that, that part of her life behind. But this is too tempting. She kept looking. She didn't listen. Um... A lot of these things that we can do, as far as this goes, can be done eloquently, you know, as far as the meeting people where they're at. Um, sometimes it's going to require, like Johnny said, I think it's interesting that he brought up pr prison ministry. Um, 
because that's where we need to be. It's not, you know, passing out meals to the food train is great. Helping people clothe their kids is great. All these things are great, but we need, we need to be out there with the sick where he was. Because he wasn't worried about getting dirty, you know. You know, he didn't tell the disciples, go get clean before we go on our mission work. Go get yourself clean. Go get your head right. You know, I know you got something going on in you. He knew all this. Before, he knew all their problems before he even called them. He knew this, but he did it anyway. You know, it, it says it so many times in the, in the Bible. It says it right here, right before this scripture. He already knew what the Pharisees had in their heart. He already knew it. He was just going to clown them and use it to make a point against them. That look, you can act like you show these people mercy, but in truth, all you're doing is putting on a fancy robe and saying it. You're not actually going out there and doing it. And it says it in the word that that is actually worse for a person that knows the truth and doesn't give it right. You know what I mean? Than a person who doesn't know it and still messes up. But that's really, I mean, look at the people he called David. Come on, Moses, Jonah, Peter, Paul, Matthew, Mary. Come on, man. These aren't, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't in trouble for singing too loud in church before. I promise you that. And um, I just, I want us to, to realize that, that we, we can't be afraid to go out there and meet people where there are. And sometimes I, that's going to look messy, you know. But we have to be willing to do that and just to love them, love people where they are. Because, you know, me, I can speak for myself. I was there one time and, and nobody came around and loved me when I needed it. You know, I was just talking to Jamie about this. You know, the way we, we were raised as children was hard. The way we were grown, our upbringing was tough love. So when I became a man, it was hard for me to, to show another man love because I didn't get it as a child. You know what I mean? So when I seen men hugging each other and stuff, I'm like, man, that's weird, man. You know, don't be touching me like that. <laughs> you know, and that's not right. You know, that's not how God wants me to be, and that's not how I am. That's not how I was made to be in His image. And uh, over the years, God's really softened my heart and allowed me to to love my brothers like brothers. You know, and not have any inhibitions or or, or embarrassments about it um, I don't blame my father for how I look at people now that would be silly of me let this man have control over how I view people now no not me um, but he really spoke to me on this and I hope it I hope it resonated with y'all um, how important it is what he values over what we look like and what we do versus where we go and who we see, you know. So if y'all would, y'all stand with me, Johnny. Did you? Can't close this out, man. Yeah, I'm done. Well, I want to share a few things because yeah. I, I really love that. We were just talking about, 
you know, operating in the ministry of, of reconciliation and, and, and just the way Jesus did it. And I love it that you came. And it's like, I also love how you were like, you know, that was a really big deal is like, you know, just um, like asking the Lord, Lord, what's on your heart for this? But I want to say this. Um, the Lord told me, I was a few days ago, but the Holy Spirit told me, he said, if sinners aren't following you, you're not living like Jesus. Right? Because sinners follow Jesus. If sinners aren't following you, then you're not living like Jesus. Now, and just like you said, I thought it was beautiful. And I thought it was very, I was like, oh, man, I, I want to go research that. Um, talking about how when you had a meal with someone, it was like you were condoning that lifestyle. Whereas the Pharisees, the religious ones, were like, you know, and the New Living Translation says, why does your teacher eat with such scum is what, is what it translates over in the New Living. But, man, that was such a good word because that's always been our heart, right? It's always been our heart here. Um, is is reaching the lost, being and putting ourselves in positions to do that. I believe that's why God opened the door for for the food table, for the orange table, for the pantry. It's to meet some of some of those people who feel like they're unlovable. Nobody loves them. Nobody's going to eat with me. Nobody's going to sit with me. And so, man, that was a really good word, man. Very stirring for for our for our heart here. And I love it. You know, Jesus is going to come back to judge, and that's where the fear of the Lord comes in, because He is going to return, and He is going to judge. And, and at this time, the judgment of God is not on the earth. And so like, I love how we put that because that, that's so theologically sound is that Jesus said it himself, I came for the sick, not the healthy, right? And so that was so technical. That was so sound in biblical truth is that we are operating under this dispensation of grace because the dispensation of grace is going to end, right? We all understand that, right? It's going to end. When, when Christ comes back and he splits the skies, that dispensation of grace, it's over. Like, it, that, it, the grace is done. We're now moving into, so until that, man, I, that was so sound, bro. That was so good. But it also stirs us. I don't know if Pastor David shared the testimony, but he had a really cool testimony where he, God just high, he posted on Facebook. God highlighted somebody. He ministered to him the love of Christ and some other things, and this individual gives their heart to Jesus and, and just says yes to Jesus. And I love that because everywhere we go, much like Christ, we say yes, we walk under an open heaven, but we know God's heart, and God's heart is people. Amen. God's heart is people. And so anyway, man, very good word. Father, I thank you for this word, this word of evangelism, this word of love, this word of meeting people where they're at, this word of just like you with Peter. Do you, do you agape me? I phileo you. Do you agape me? Lord, you meet us where we're at. And so, Father, I just pray over the lost, the broken, the hurt, those that are laying uh, face down in ditches, God, that, Lord, that you would just begin to just move on their hearts and that you would put us, Lord, Put the, the people in this house in the pathway of the drunkards and the hurt and the broken and the lost and the scum of the earth, God, so that we can minister the gospel and love and grace and in mercy so we can teach the truth in Jesus' name. And I just pray, Lord, that, that this word, Lord, this the word that maybe would even uh, stir us if we've kind of grown cold in our pursuit of evangelism, because that's what evangelism is. It's going out and seeking the lost. And so, Lord, stir up the evangelism within us, God, to where everywhere we go, gas stations, marketplaces, golden corrals, restaurants, God, that we are going after your heart. And I just say, Lord, that, that as we open our mouths, you'll fill it. But, Lord, allow us by our actions to live out the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you all. Jacob, great word, bro. Very stirring, stirring in evangelism. Um, and we have cake next door. Devin's birthday. Hallelujah. There's cake next door. Um,